Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is Bringing the Pain. In case you've forgotten, my name is Cyrus Wayne, and I am coming to you right here, as always, in the studios of Radio Fairfax. You can find me on Twitter and on Instagram at CY underscore THA great. That's Cy the Great, in case you don't know, at Cy the Great. Yeah, in, uh, you know, I have to keep doing this because some of y'all aren't going to the Twitter or going to Instagram. I, I need y'all there. Go ahead, hit the follow button and just behold my greatness. Come on, y'all. You know you want to do it. Just go ahead and do it. Well, we've reached the final four of the NBA. And really, we should not be surprised at this point who's still alive in the playoffs. It is basically the same four teams that going into the season, you knew were going to make it this far. Now, how we got there was a little twisted. Uh, Washington came close to completely knocking that out. But again, we knew at the end of the day, no matter how, how, again, how we got there, we knew. And the West is going to be San Antonio and Golden State. Houston for a while gave us a little run, but you know, they weren't going, you knew they weren't going to keep up. Because as I said, I told y'all, I told y'all they could not keep that shooting up through a, a tough series. They cannot. They had that one weird game in game one. They could not keep it up. I told y'all, y'all didn't want to listen. But that's on you. And you see what happened. You got Golden State, you got San Antonio out in the West, like everyone knew was going to happen. And out in the East, you have Boston and you have Cleveland. Exactly how you knew it was going to happen. How we got there was twisted, as I said, but that's how we got there. You know, the top two seeds in each conference, the top two seeds in each conference made it. It held serve. Went chalk. Did what they're supposed to do. Took care of business. Accomplished what they were set out to accomplish so far. Uh, However, way you want to say it, how many ways you want to say it, that's how it went down. Now, one of the talking points before I get into game the game seven and the and uh, the game one of San Antonio the San Antonio Golden State series, where I'm going to spend most of my time in this first segment. Before I get into all that, I I want to completely dispel one of the myths that has started to irk me to no end. And that is the myth of the NBA is not as competitive anymore as it used to be. We're, we're getting this all the time, right? It's become the one of the vogue things to say since the formation of these so-called super teams, right? Where like, all the superstars, you know, come together, their friends, they come together and, and they're joining forces to join, to start the Justice League or the Super Friends to beat Another team of superstars, the Legion of Doom, the Monstars, however you want to say it. That and so the talking point is, hey, this is an NBA I grew up with. You know, it was more competitive. It was more competitive. No, it wasn't. It was not that competitive. Okay, just like this year, you can po- you can point back to any year, any year you want to, and at the beginning of the beginning of the season that year. Let's face it, everybody knew that there were only four teams 
that had a legitimate chance of winning the NBA Finals. Everybody knew back then. Now, I will say yes, it, it, superstars wore, were more dispersed. They were more spread out. That's an undeniable fact. That's quantifiable. Yes, uh, I will concede that argument. But again, that's just the dispersion of superstars. But when we talk about competitiveness, I'm talking about the odds of a team winning. And really, in a team, in a league that now has 30 teams that had that 29 for the longest, only four of those 29, anyone knew, had a real realistic shot of winning it all. Does that sound competitive to you? If I told you in a race, in a race that had, um, I don't know, uh, 50 people in a race, a marathon or whatever have you, and and I told you that 14% of the field had a legitimate chance of winning, would you really call that competitive? Well, you probably would because at that point, sure, numbers take over. But now you shrink it to 29 and you go, oh, only 14% have a chance. That's four. You go, no, that's not competitive at all. It's top heavy. The NBA has always been top heavy. Now, the superstars were all over the place. But as I like to tell all of you, the superstars are one thing. But if you want to win championships and you want to contend and you want to be consistent, you need those role players. And pick any time that you want. Those superstars and those role players were always on certain teams for the longest time. I know what you're thinking. Cyrus, what are you talking about? It it was definitely a lot more competitive. Oh, 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 really? Oh, Oh, really? So I pulled this out. Going back all the way to 2000. So we're talking about 17 years. In the Western Conference, only five, five franchises have come out of the Western Conference to go to the NBA Finals. Of them, only one team did not win, and that was Oklahoma, that was Oklahoma City back in 2011, the 2011-2012 NBA season. The only one, talk about the Lakers, Spurs, Mavericks, Thunder, and Golden State. Only five franchises won, won the West over the course of 17 years. Now, when you get over to the East, it becomes a little bit it becomes a little bit more competitive. It becomes a little bit more competitive out there. You have 10 teams: Pacers, Sixers, Nets, Pistons, Heat, Cavs, Celtics, Magic. Hold up. Correction, make that eight teams. And of those eight, really, when you talk about how weak the, the Eastern Conference has been weak for a long time. Of those teams, uh, Orlando, really, who, who thought Orlando b- back in 2009 had a legitimate chance of winning the championship? Who, who really? You know, they, they, some, they somehow made it, okay? Indiana, they held the, they went, to, they uh, pushed the Lakers to six games. Philadelphia, like, one game one and com- was completely run out the gym with games two through five. New Jersey got swept twice in the finals by the Lakers and the Spurs. The Heat, even before like LeBron and company won their championships, there was that one year where they beat Dallas, 
back in 2006 where Dwayne Wade was getting every foul call known to man. So, again, 17, 17 years, eight teams in the Eastern Conference, and only four of them were able to win. And four teams out of four different teams out of the Western Conference were able to win. So that's eight different teams over the course of 17 years that have won a championship. Uh, I don't know. No, I can't. I still can't call that competitive. But I know what you're saying. But Cyrus, that's the time frame. That was the same time frame we're talking about. Oh, oh, really? So if you want to go back further, okay, let's go back a little bit further, right? That was when, like, uh, that was when Michael Jordan and company were completely were winning finals left and right. Before that, you had the Celtics and Lakers, and the Sixers snuck in a couple. Of, like the six, the Sixers and the Pistons snuck in every once in a while. Really, name like anyone off the top of your head during the Lakers, like Celtics, Bulls, Pistons runs. Those teams that we think of, G- give me like who else you really thought could have won really i'm waiting i'm waiting yeah you're gonna say houston like snuck in there too but of course the excuse is well michael jordan was off you're proving my point the this whole myth of the competitiveness competitiveness of the nba is exactly what i said it is it is a myth all right no such Highly competitive, all these different teams have a chance of winning. NBA never existed. All like all that's happening now is because all these superstars are joining forces, like putting their talents together. It's only become more obvious and more sickening to you. That is it. You're just not oblivious to it anymore. It's just more in your face that oh wow, only only four teams have a chance of winning. That's always been the case. Always. Now, now to actually get to playoff basketball. So I'm doing this on a Tuesday. Uh, right now, uh, the NBA uh, draft lottery is scheduled to go on in about, uh, well, the coverage starts like 15 minutes from now. Although the ping pong balls don't start really dropping until another 30 minutes from now. After that, I'll have uh, you know, my boy Brandon. You got like, you know, friend of the show, friend of mine. He'll be on. We'll do some quick dissection of the NBA draft lot of the NBA draft lottery. Uh, we're not going to go too too much into draft prospect talk. It's just more reaction to the lottery. Hopefully, and mainly, hopefully, the LA Lakers are able to land that top one, land in one of the top three spots, so we don't lo- end up losing two draft picks over the next several years. Because that is a likelihood. That is possible. Probably not likely, but it is possible. So. We're definitely keeping an eye on on that. But before we get to all that, boy, like you know what, I, you know, I, I don't know how to feel. I don't know how to feel because I am up here in the Washington area, right, right out here, you know, Northern Virginia, the DC suburbs. We we got all sorts of Washington sports teams up here. And I don't have any allegiances to any one of them. So I, but I do feel bad for all but one. And if you listen to the show at all, you know which one I do not feel bad for. But understand what Washington, real Washington sports fans have had to really endure this past season 
when it comes to their teams and elimination games. The, the Nats lost in Game 5 in, in baseball, in the playoffs. You have the Capitals, who just recently lost a heartbreaking Game 7. In a series, they were down 3-1, came back, tied at 3-3, and ended up blowing it in Game 7. And then you had what happened on Monday night. And I, I, I hate to sound clairvoyant, you know, like, like a know-it-all, but I knew it was going to happen. For whatever reason, Washington sports teams, they, they do this. They build you up, build you up, build you up, and then they let you down. Except for the Washington Redskins, they don't build you up. They just let you down constantly. But regardless, I, I mentioned as soon as Game 7 was forced, I said, I, I tweeted out, if you don't believe me, I said, another Washington team is going to blow a Game 7. That's just the way, the way it was. Now, did I imagine they will blow a Game 7 in the manner in which they did? where Kelly the Hitman Olenek was big for Boston? No, of course not. Are you... No, no, not at all. Are you serious? Who who in their right minds would have thought Kelly O, the dirtiest player in the game, was going to go off for 26 points off the bench? Really, no, no one knew. Just watching it, you're going, wait a minute, what? What? And that's exactly what happened. And then you see that just how alone John Wall is back there. Now, he did not have a great game. Oh, not at all. But neither did any of the other Wizards. With the exception of Bradley Beal, who who showed you exactly why he was making more money than John Wall. I'm just saying. I know I I got I got physically sick when I heard Bradley Bill's deal, but in a game seven where he out just outplays John Wall, who was supposed to be the alpha dog there, you go, hmm, maybe John Johnny, j- come on, you, you can't let Bradley show you up like that. But but you know I do feel for John as much as I can stand him for snub against the state several years ago. I have to feel for John because he's been like him and Bradley been carrying this team for a while and you're just waiting for someone else to really come in, step in, really do what role players are supposed to do for a quote unquote championship caliber team. And they couldn't when it mattered, when it mattered. And that is what Washington will give you. So am, am I a little disappointed Yes, only because as a Lakers fan, I absolutely hate the Celtics and I wanted to see them completely get destroyed on their home floor. Not out of any allegiance whatsoever to any Washington sports team, but I just hate the Celtics. And now as time goes on, I'm just starting to hate the city of Boston altogether. I mean, I've had that hate for a while, but it's it's really it's really intensified. Over the past several months, years, decades, I mean, uh, pick your time frame here. But I, but I, but still, you had Isaiah Thomas who did what he was supposed to do: twenty nine points uh, on uh, not a terribly efficient twenty nine points, a nine for twenty one from the field, uh, three for five shooting threes. Of course, he gets to the free throw line. 
which was a stark surprise to me because now like, you're realizing, oh, well, they're getting bodies on him. Finally. Finally. He's just, just not just not just waltzing up and down the lane untouched. Come on, he's three foot nothing. You, you got to put a body on him, which I'm pretty sure Cleveland's going to do. I am more than positive Cleveland's going to do. So, I, I, congratulations, Boston. You're just going to be put out by Cleveland, and that will make me happy because I do like LeBron James and I hate you. Just so there's no confusion. Now let's go out. Let's go out west real fast, <laughs> and now the this series is basically over. I, I hate calling series because. You know the old expression, it ain't over till it's over, till the fat lady sings, until it's double zeros, triple zeros of the clock, yada, 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 all this other stuff. But look here. San Antonio blew a 20-plus point lead. And you're going to say, well, sorry, they, like, they, were out, they were without Kawhi Leonard. They blew a 20-plus point second-half lead. And now, Golden State, uh, granted, I will grant you this, Golden State is, in my estimation, the really the only team in the NBA where you can consistently say, if they're down by 20 in the second half, this game ain't over. They may not come back to win, but they will always come back to make it close. They have the firepower and the defensive ability to do so. So watching that game in the second half, I said, okay, no, it's not over yet. Spurs need to keep playing. The moment Kawhi went out, I said, uh-oh, uh-oh, uh-oh. Yeah, and lo and behold, what happened, what you thought was going to happen, it happened. And let me, let me address let me, let me address it because this has been one of the topics that's been floating around on, on sports media all like, the past couple of days, whether or not like Jaja Petulia you know, is a dirty player, whether that was a dirty play. And I'll, I'll say this, it was, it was kind of dirty. Yeah, it was. Look, look here. Yes, it was. It was a completely dirty. It was completely dirty. I'm not doing this just because you know a guy just got hurt and it may have cost him his season and his team's playoff chances. Remember, I hate the Spurs. It, I hate Steph Curry. So I, I hate everybody in the series. But I have to call a spade a spade here. It was that was a dirty play. When you go out to when you go out to close, especially if you're Jaja Jean Petulia, you can't come out to close that hard, knowing that a guy has to come down. You can't crowd him coming down. That's the rule. That is the rule. And knowing he has a bad like knee or, or oh, I'm sorry, ankle. Oh my God, his ter- goodness. And you're just gonna put your foot like kind of slide it in there like uh, and act acting like you're you're gonna close out. But come on, you're not fooling nobody. And that goofy look you had, like, what do you mean a foul? You knew that was a foul. Everyone did. And Greg Popovich knew that was a foul. And, of course, and Greg Popovich also knew it was a dirty play. Do you know how Greg Popovich knew that was a dirty play? Greg Popovich knew it was dirty because he coached Boost Bowen for eight years. If anyone knows a dirty play when they see one, it is Greg Popovich. Okay, so, so although, again, which means Greg Popovich really can't be the guy to call it out because, you know, he coached Bruce Bowen for eight years. Now, you talk about the dirtiest player in the game. I, I take that back with Kelly and Olenek because nobody, when you talk about dirty 
in basketball, nobody comes close to Mr. Bruce Bowen. Uh, let, let me just tell you that very that. As a matter of fact, if if I'm not mistaken, and feel free like to, to go on Twitter at Cy underscore the great uh to correct me on this one, but I'm pretty sure that the same rule that they're referencing with Josh Apatulia and allowing the, the jump shooter to come down and now crowd the space, I'm pretty sure that rule was made up specifically for Bruce Bowen when he was on defense. Because he was known to you know like slide his like foot under a shooter. Like just to not not to maliciously get him allegedly, but to get in his mind because as a shooter the rhythm is everything. If but if you really think that you cannot come down, your 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 mindset when you're trying to take that jump shot is not where it needs to be. So yes, I'm taking I'm taking uh, Pop's word about this and saying yeah it was a dirty play and I'm not even I don't even have to take his word for it. I saw it myself. I said, ooh, that, that's that, that's crazy. And uh, by the way, who who was that guy that Kawhi like, had stepped on on his own team a, a couple possessions before that uh, that aggravated the ankle? Because I'm pretty sure he's also a Warriors plant. Just saying. And but <laughs> but as I said, th- this is this is over. And before I completely let this go, shout outs shouts out to Mike Brown. You know the a guy. <laughs> it's it's amazing. It's amazing. It, it, it is absolutely amazing. Uh, he's he's been out of coaching for a number of years because the the, the idea was he can't coach. That that was the that was the criticism of him, right? I mean, he did a decent job coaching the Lakers um, in the 2011 2012 season. Pretty pretty decent. Was fired immediately at, like, after a one and four start the next season. Uh, went to, inherited a LeBronless Cleveland Cavaliers team. Was promptly fired after that season. Say oh, and was out of coaching for a while because well he couldn't coach. But all of a sudden, it's it's amazing. It is absolutely amazing how good or bad a coach can coach when his players are good or bad. It is absolutely insane. I I am more the I've become more and more convinced, given the success of Luke Walton last season, uh, who until this season had the winningest percentage in NBA history as far as a head coach goes. And you put Mike Brown now, who's just stepping in in the playoffs and coaching this team to another Finals appearance. I'm pretty sure that I can sit down on the bench and coach this team, and look really good. I'm just saying, it, it, it's the anti, it's the anti Scott Brooks or Scott, not even anti Scott Brooks, it's, it's Scott Brooks because I'm gonna get on him for a minute, for a minute too, because the criticism for Scott Brooks, Scotty Brooks, was he's an okay coach, but he's not really good because he has Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, he can't really do anything with them. So when he was when he left Oklahoma City, no one really missed him because he's like, hey, he's not creative enough. He doesn't do it. He doesn't do enough with his like with his players. Yeah, yada yada yada. Like, like coach speak for uh your, your your team can't win. We 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 invent some reason to say it's not because the players can't do what they're supposed to do. It's because you as a coach are bad at your job. Fast forward to re- recently in Washington, where the, the narrative of Scotty Brooks had changed just a little bit, and then Game Seven happened. That all of a sudden he can't coach again. And yes, he really wasn't that creative. And it, you know, it's a lot of it's a lot of John Wall ISO, which reminded you, like watching that game, remind like watching the Wizards and their offense reminds you of watching uh, him and 
Oklahoma City where it was like Durant and Westbrook ISOing and there's not really too much going on. So some of the criticism is earned in that case. But again, I do enjoy how these narratives work, whether or not your team is actually any good. Coming up after this break, I've changed my opinion on somebody, and I I, I can't believe I am, but uh, I'm I'm starting to like this guy and what they're trying to do. Bring the pain, Cyrus Wayne, back after this. Welcome back to Bring the Pain. This is Cyrus Wayne coming to you from Radio Fairfax once again. The telephone number is 703-560-8255. Once again, that is 703-560-8255. And once again, you call this number. Chances are I will not answer because I will not be in studio. I'm recording this on a Tuesday. If you're listening to this on Radio Fairfax via the uh, Radio Fairfax uh, channel 36, whether you're listening via the Radio Fairfax uh, website streaming or the TuneIn Radio app, or if you're l- listening to me on SoundCloud and later on in iTunes, uh, you will not reach me via that number. The best way to reach me will be at CY underscore THA great on Twitter and on Instagram. That's the best way to, to reach me and argue with me on what I'm about to tell you next. I came on here several weeks ago just completely blasting the coverage of one uh, LeVar Ball, the, the outspoken father of NBA of NBA prospect and potentially future Laker Lonzo Ball. And saying, hey, look here, you guys want to shut up. You got to stop putting microphones in front of his face. And he's getting he's getting tired. The act's getting old especially after the slow white guys comment and just a few other things where you go, Ooh, what? But I, I, I found myself in a weird situation. I'm starting to, I'm starting to like this guy and what he's trying to do it, it, for, for this reason, because I, I like guy one. I like people that people usually hate, but not just for the sake of liking because everyone hates him, not just to be, uh, you know, you know, the contrarian, but no, there is a reason. And the more I looked into this, I said, okay, I can get behind this guy and his son and what he's trying to do. I like people who go against what you're quote unquote supposed to do. You know, there's a thin line between genius and insanity. And they're walking that tight they're walking that tightrope because from all from all the reports, you, you know, uh everyone was the big shoe companies, Nike, Adidas, and Under Armour were ready to offer Lonzo a shoe deal coming straight out of college uh, before he played an NBA game. And uh, LeVar was trying to go for a licensing deal, which even I'm going, there's no way. If you're a shoe company, you'll be absolutely insane to take it. Because for the, for the most part, the risk is mostly on you and not on the Ball family. So like, he's just absolutely, like, they'll be absolutely nuts to take it. However, so like they're launching this big baller brand and, this, and the ZO2s. For four ninety five a pair. Uh, for I'm just gonna tell you right now, as as much as I like what they're trying to do, and as much as I can get behind it, I ain't buying them shoes. I ain't buying four hundred ninety five dollars shoes unless I put them jokers on and I'm able to dunk from half court. Okay, I, I'm just I'm just gonna say that if I pay if I pay five hundred dollars for a pair of shoes, I better to be I better be either dunking from half court or be shooting on fire like on an old school NBA jam, okay? Kids, look that up if you have no idea what I'm talking about. So, 
they're getting a, they're getting a lot of they're getting a lot of flack for it, especially after the price point w- was launched and Lavar Ball was going. Well, if you can't afford the shoes, you're not a big baller, and that just rubbed people the wrong way because you're. Anytime you remind people of how much money they don't have, that typically rubs rubs them the wrong way. But again, here's why I could get behind what they're doing it because. It seems as though they're going for that exclusive like exclusivity market. You know, the high-end luxury, well, as luxury as basketball shoes can get. They're going after like that market with, with that particular price point. Or what they could be doing is a, we're going to, like, like you know, if anyone understands how jewelry is priced, whether it's watches, bracelets, rings, if you understand how jewelry is priced, how it's marked at a certain price, but you never buy it at that price, it's always quote unquote on sale. That that's just that's just how the jewelry industry works. They could be doing that, or they just simply are, are just pricing it for four ninety five. But here's here's why I can't hate them for doing this. When you get when you talk about business or anything like that with, with the transfer of money, the power is truly in ownership. And when you sign with a shoe company, especially your first deal, you don't own anything. You're working for the shoe companies. They're paying you, they're paying you like upfront. You're getting all the money up front. They're absorbing all the risk. They're paying you to sell their shoes. So at the, at the end of the day, they're writing, they're giving you a, writing you a check. But if you're good, like all the like all the you know the percent the sales, all that's going to the shoe company. That's not going to you. What they're saying is, no, 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 no. We're we're gonna keep most of this. We're going, I'm going to own my brand. I'm going to own like like everything that's involved with it. I'm I'm gonna keep more of the pie to myself and not have to deal with you. And then once I prove this concept, we can we can bring you aboard on my terms. Very bold. It's a bold strategy, Cotton. It is. It's very bold. Only time will tell if it will or will not work. But me, like and just how I think and how I operate, I can't knock the hustle. I, I, I can't hate on someone having that much belief in themselves to say, you know, for, forget how everything's been done. This is how we're doing it. Because the first to do anything, they're usually they're typically ridiculed until they're proven right. And then they're held as geniuses or they're proven wrong in which they ridicule some more and prove to be fools. Both the, both of these things can happen with the ball family. OK, but I'm going to be the first one here, here to tell you that if this thing works, we could be seeing a change in how how when rookies come into the league, how they decide to brand themselves and how how they decide to mark themselves. And I, I need to like stop this as I need to stop this right in the button and how we're looking at LeVar Ball, who's the mouthpiece. OK, Lonzo Ball hasn't said a whole lot. OK. Lonzo Ball hasn't said nothing. He's been quiet. He's been as quiet as you want a, a future draft pick to be. It's LeVar who's been the mouthpiece, and that's great. He's taken he's taken a lot of the attention from his son. So uh, the one of the many criticisms of LeVar is, oh, he's just riding his son's coattails. I don't see it that way. I see it. I see LeVar as just being his son's hype man. I see he's just the flavor flavor of basketball right now. He's just his son's hype man, the the proud father. Hey, as I called him, as I called him a few weeks ago, yes, a glorified pageant mom. That that's what he is. But 
I honestly think what what he what, what he's trying to do is in the best interest of of his kid and his family. By again, ownership. Like that's where the real power is, people. Ownership. They're doing they're doing this different, and I can get behind it. Not so behind it where I'm going to buy like five hundred dollar shoes, or two or three hundred dollar flip flops, or eighty dollar t shirts, or however much they're selling them daggone hats for. But if this pays off, yes, he's given up a lot of money up front. But if this pays off, this could be huge for him. Absolutely huge. And especially if he's and I'll be pull, I'll be pulling for him because I, I want to see this work. I want to see, again, how the established construct of how these deals work completely be disintegrated before everyone's very eyes. I want to see that very very badly. So I will be cheering for you, Lonzo, unless, of course, you are playing, not playing for the Lakers. But if he's a Laker, oh my goodness, yeah, I will be one of your biggest fans. Well, if you're a Laker and you're any good. Now, if you're absolute trash, trust me, I will talk about you. Coming up next, uh, hopefully, Brandon will be able to call in and we can dissect the draft lottery, the results of the draft lottery, and this whole idea of amateurism in the in, in, uh, the NCAA once again proves to be absolutely foolish. Bring the Pain, Cyrus Wayne, back after this. Welcome back. This is Bring the Pain with Cyrus Wayne right here on Radio Fairfax. And just as I promised earlier in the show, I got Brandon on the line. Brandon, you're there. I am here. Uh, awesome. I'm enraged. <laughs> you will be. We'll get to your rage in, in one moment. So, we're, as I said, we're doing this a little bit differently this year. So, the draft lottery is going on. We're doing this on Tuesday night. Uh, the draft lottery ju- just finished up. I had to wait till the results came out before before we, we talk about it. We're not going to do an in-depth draft preview. That will definitely come a little bit later on down the road. But let me. Like, I, I will first like tell like the audience what I, what I told uh, Brandon off-air momentarily was I do feel ashamed of myself here because when like Phoenix was announced the fourth pick solidifying the Lakers were going to be top three, I did you know scream in pure joy for, for about two seconds until I realized, wait, wait a minute, this is, as a Lakers fan, all I have to look forward to at this point is for ping pong balls and a player who may or may not be any good once he actually gets to the NBA looking at you, Lonzo Ball. Yeah, yeah. Um, sorry, I was just reading through the draft order. I was trying to figure out who who jumped significantly, and it looks like it was Sacramento. Yeah, it was. Um, who jumped from what should have been eight all the way up to five? <laughs> uh, okay. Um, yeah, no. So I mean, look this. this you know, if you didn't watch the pre-draft coverage, they were talking about a lot of the um, the youth, um, you know, how young, like there could be, you know, 15, 18 freshmen taken in this year's um, first round, which is which is very impressive. And the top 15, honestly, like every team's walking away probably with something better than they would have in, in the last two or three years um, across the board of you know, where you're picking. Yeah. This is projected to be like one of the better draft classes we've had in a while. Again, this is all projected. We, we, again, we have no idea how good these kids are going to be, but projected. We also won't, we also won't know for like three, four years. Right. <laughs> you know, but, 
Um, in terms of like raw talent coming into the league and how they translate to the NBA, yeah, this is supposed to be a very deep, deep draft. Um, and you know, I'm 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 happy that you know I had a team in it, you had a team in it, you know, so that we can you know acquire some of this this new uh, young talent. Absolutely, to, to be cornerstones for for our franchises for years to come, hopefully. <laughs> cornerstones. I'm just hoping for a role player. <laughs> <laughs> well, you'd be you'd be looking for, for, for perhaps another cornerstone. I mean, you got Chris Stops. You got to have someone complimented to Chris Stops, and maybe Carmelo because he's definitely not going anywhere. As much as Phil Jackson keeps nudging him to go, but we'll, we'll go into again. We'll get more into next next drama, like because as they pick eight. So for those of you at home who are not aware, like the the the, the uh, draft order is going to be as follows. The Celtics, Lakers, Sixers, Suns, Kings, Magic, Wolves, Knicks, Mavericks, Kings, Hornets, Pistons, Nuggets, and Heat. And no, like I'm not having a stroke. That was not a typo. I did say Kings twice. <laughs> yep, that was due to the uh, the boogie trade. <laughs> exactly. So just just so the audience is aware, I'm not having a stroke. I'm not like, doing, going going crazy. I did say Kings twice. And like at this point, by the time you listen, this is going to be all this is going to be all over the place. So Google it if you if you caught if you missed any of that. So uh, the big the big takeaway is like with the Celtics, the rich are just getting richer at this point. The, the Celtics are like start in the Eastern Conference Finals on Wednesday, and they have the number one overall pick in the draft this year because they completely fleeced the Nets four years ago. Yeah, I think I saw an interesting stat is they can win um, the lottery, the first round of the Eastern Conference Finals, and the Game 7 of the, uh, the, the semifinals of the conference all in the same week. <laughs> a, in three straight days. In three straight days. Yeah, that's, that's a very impressive uh, you know, a few days for this franchise. And so far, you know, two of the three are, are uh, you know, they've come to pass, and we'll see how they, they do against the Cavs. But I bet you they wish they could just have Stoltz right now <laughs> just add them to the mix. Probably because they're going to need it against LeBron and company. So I think what's interesting with Boston is I think they're the kind of team that, like, wouldn't get locked into Fultz. I could also see them, like, maybe being a little weird and, and either trading down or taking Lonzo, or maybe they really like uh, Josh Jackson. I don't know. I, c- I could see Boston being a team that, like, for one, I mean, they have so much <laughs> depth and, and wealth already that, you know, they don't really have, like, a glaring weakness um, other than maybe, like, a true center, but there's no true centers you're taking in the top of you know, the top few picks. Um, so, I don't know. It's something that could be kind of exciting, uh, you know, over the next few weeks before the draft. Yeah, a- absolutely. 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 So, so we we talked about now how how Sacramento has two picks. <laughs> now, thanks to the know, boogie cousin straight. These, these two kids in the top ten that are <laughs> going to get stuck there, and unfortunately, Darren Fox might be one of them. Uh, number five there. Um, you know, that's that's kind of because there's no way Phoenix is taking him at four. So unless Sacramento uh, passes up, let's assume that Ball and Fultz go one and two. It looks like either Josh Jackson um, or um, you know, the Aaron Fox could go to the Sixers at three, and the Sixers they need a point guard uh, to go along with um, you know Ben Simmons and Embiid. But um, I don't know; it could be kind of interesting to see what happens. Uh, you know, three through five, I'm definitely intrigued. Yeah, absolutely. And and you you know a lot of this draft, like a lot of this draft, if you're if you're kind of looking at the results here, is via via. So there was a whole lot of willing to deal in that that came that that 
ended up in that showed up in these results here. And you yeah. you know, especially with as deep as the talent is going to be in this draft, there's probably going to be a lot more before it's all said and done. No, very true, very true. And I mean, I hope so. I hope the Knicks are able to do something. Uh, you know, maybe move up a few spots, but I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Like that, they, yeah. They're gonna somehow, they're gonna somehow trade Carmelo to the Celtics for the first overall pick. I'd do it. Do the Celtics need to get swept by the Cavs in order to force their hand like that? Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> like anything that involves the Celtics, you know, losing like in an embarrassing manner, I am all for it. Yeah, I know, but that's because you're a Lakers fan. Hey, look, look, we don't need to qualify everything here. No, you guys just have a, a little blood rivalry. It's fine. Yeah, absolutely. They, they like they ju- they just this season took over the all time wins lead in the NBA like this season, and ironically, they did it in a game against us. Go figure. Well, sorry, I was just, I was just thinking what like a game would look like with Isaiah Thomas and and uh, Carmelo on the same team. Uh, it's not not a lot of defense. <laughs> <laughs> No, no, no defense at all. None. Them isolating each other. <laughs> uh, n- n- none at all. N- none at all. So, Are you ready to unleash me here? Go I'm ahead. Pretty salty. I'm pretty salty as a Knicks fan here. Uh, we got jumped. Uh, you know, we finished the season tied for sixth with the Timberwolves. We lose the coin flip, so we were supposed to have, you know, theoretically the seventh pick. And then we get jumped, so now we're picking eight. <laughs> and this is two lotteries in a row now that we have not received the pick that we, uh, that we should have, um, if, you know, you got rid of the lottery system, <laughs> which, you know, I'm, uh, in favor for. But, it, remember it was you, it's you guys are the reason we have the lottery system to begin with. Okay. <laughs> Let's not forget. So th- this is all it is, is just karma c- coming back to bite y'all. That's all this is. No, that was part of the lottery. That was the lottery came before that. Yeah, 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 yeah. What? What? Envelope. He's talking about the frozen envelope. Patrick Ewing may or may not have been some shenanigans. Uh, shenanigans. Let's let's say shenanigans. Yeah. How about these shenanigans of the Lakers going up to two so they can take ball? <laughs> shenanigans. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Actually, like that is that has been the most common tweet in the past five minutes of. Everyone saying, "Oh, that, that, like that's it." But like balls, balls in L.A. Every hoops head before this draft or before this, you know, before tonight was thinking, "Like, oh man, what if they fall to four or five? Like, they're gonna lose the pick to the, to the Sixers." No one in their right mind was like, "Oh, what if they just go up to two? <laughs> uh, it's, yeah, I mean, I guess all things have to work out for you know one of your biggest markets, but um, oh, they, ah. uh, yeah, not. I'm not. I'm not happy about it. Uh, but you know, Magic. I mean, he's so he's so laughable, so lovable. How do you not you know root for him? Well, it, it will be easy to not root for him if he if he like makes super if his decisions as an executive are anything like his tweets. It will be very easy to not cheer for him. You guys might trade the number two overall pick for Okafor. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll never forget that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So look, the rest of the I mean the rest of the lottery played out pretty much as you'd expect. Um, you know, the only craziness was, you know, there were four picks that ended up getting swapped due to trade action. 
And, uh, yeah, Sacramento has two picks, five and ten. Um, you know, so they could, you know, potentially have a, a nice, fun, young roster with, you know, Buddy Heald um, and uh, <laughs> Willie Cauley-Stein, I guess. <laughs> I, 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 w- I would be inclined to agree with that, but it is Sacramento. They, they don't do young, budding rosters very well because I, I will point out, like, like I have several weeks ago, that at one point they had on the same roster Isaiah Thomas, Hassan Whiteside, and Boogie Cousins. That's an all-star team. Yeah, that's awkward. Uh, <laughs> look, I didn't say they were going to do the picks right. <laughs> but as of right now, they have potential. Um, and, yeah, maybe this is you know their mini version of the process. Um, yeah, we'll see. I mean, I hope this number 10 pick can, can be a player that – um, is is pretty good. You know, maybe they find a steal just because that way, uh, you know, the rest of the NBA teams can kind of take it easy and realize they didn't totally swing and miss on a Boogie Cousins trade. Um, but we'll see. Right now, it seems pretty lopsided. Uh, absolutely. So we've established that Lonzo's ball going. To, Lonzo ball is going to LA. So. But like, like one more time, like we're running short of time. One more time, very quickly. Give me your dream scenario at number eight, or if you if you guys are somehow able to package, like package and trade up or down, depending on what you're able to get. Give me your dream scenario and then what you actually think is going to happen. Well, look, I want Darren Fox. Um, I think he would be perfect. Uh, you know, a super athletic lefty point guard uh, who's you know a creator and can play great defense. That's exactly what I would want to sign up for. Um, and can just imagine some of the shenanigans him and, and KP could cause. Um, but he might go three. Honestly, he might go three to the Sixers. So, um, you know, that leaves us maybe Malik Monk. Um, he might not be there at eight. I mean, I wasn't even sure if either of them would be there at seven. Now at eight, you know, it's it's just, it's going to be a little bit different. I could see Orlando just – I mean, who knows? Like, <laughs> that roster is constructed so oddly that, um, you know, they could maybe take Monk, assuming Fox is already gone. Because uh, Fox will be gone. He's either going to go to the Sixers or he's going to go to um, San Antonio, uh, sorry, Sacramento at five. So three or five, I feel like he's got to be gone just because uh, he's right up there, uh, you know, in the terms of talent. Um, Phoenix won't take him. They don't need a guard. So Orlando, probably going to take him. Minnesota, they're most likely going to take a big, um, someone to compliment um, Towns. They already have uh, a lot of young guards. They're trying to get rid of guards still. So, you know, there's there's potential for Monk to be there for us at eight, and uh, I'd be happy with that. Now, if he's if he's gone, um, you know, which which could still be a possibility, maybe Sacramento. You know, if the Sixers take Fox at three, Sacramento takes Monk at five. Uh, Knicks are now. <laughs> uh, you know, I don't know. We probably take the French point guard, uh, who's supposed to be like the perfect brainchild for the triangle, and um, maybe we can start building a young version of the all international team that I've dreamed of. But, uh, <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, yeah, it's going to be uh, really stressful. <laughs> I really, again, I would love a, a chance to trade up so that I could not be as stressed. Very stressful, but like that, this is one of the reasons that keeps us around as sports fans. So, like, Brandon, we're, we're out of time, so i, I got to let you go. Uh, coming up next, after this very quick break, uh, how a former college football coach is getting grotesquely overpaid for grotesque incompetence. Bring the pain, right. Cyrus Wade, back after the short break. Thanks for having me. Welcome back to Bring the Pain. This is Cyrus Wayne coming to you from Radio Fairfax. Uh, before I leave you today, one more story. 
Uh, <laughs> former head football coach of Notre Dame, the University of Kansas, is in the news. Uh, recently, the new University of Notre Dame had filed, um, ta- like, had filed, you know, their tax returns or tax filings, recent tax tax filings. Uh, this is how this information was found and confirmed uh, that Notre Dame had ultimately uh, paid out to Charlie Weiss. Oh, 18.9 million. Let's just round up to let's just round this up to an even 19 million dollars as a part of a buyout when he was fired back in 2009. We remember we remember Charlie Weiss, you know, the former Bill Belichick assistant who after one great year at Notre Dame with someone else's recruits was offered a, a, a godly extension and oh, oh my, oh my goodness, this guy can't coach or recruit. And the team absolutely suffered, so they just paid apparently nineteen million dollars to get rid of him. So, so once once you factor in all that, and then you factor in his time at Kansas, Charlie Weiss in his collegiate head football coaching career made roughly sixty four and a half million dollars to produce a record at of forty one to forty nine. You are paying. Sixty-four and a half million dollars. If you between Notre Dame and the University of Kansas for a record that is eight games under five hundred, I want you to keep that in mind. Sixty-four and a half, eight games under five hundred, and yet and still we will invent excuses for the players to not get anything. We we just have an example of a coach being paid grotesquely for incompetence. Sixty-four and a half million dollars, but we continue to make excuses to not pay the players. I, I don't. I. 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 I can't, I can't keep doing this, and I, I. I. don't. I don't know what to say anymore. If if you're still one of these people who make these excuses for the like who just keep inventing excuses for why players shouldn't get paid, what kind of Amateur, in quotations, amateur coach gets paid $64 million, $64.5 million, and not be good at his job. Food for thought. That's all the that's all the time I got this week. Thank you for joining me. I'll catch y'all next week once again at Cy underscore the great C Y underscore T H A Great on Twitter and on Instagram. I will catch y'all next week. Later.